Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so, so, so excited for today's episode. It's a very special one, Um, and I'll just get straight into it. In case you missed the news on social media or on my email list. I got engaged last weekend. Well, now at this point when you're listening to this, it will be two weekends ago. And I just am feeling all the feels. I'm feeling excited. It was such a great day. And really the reason it was a great day is because of course I've been spending years trying to navigate relationship anxiety and understand what was going on And that led me to be able to have a beautiful, wonderful day of celebrations with our loved ones. Um, So this is going to be a two-part episode, one of the first ones ever that I felt like was long enough to break up into two episodes. And the reason for that is because I want to start off by doing kind of a little bit of the background of what led up to me and Nate getting engaged. I opened up questions on my Instagram at you love and you learn. If you're not already over there following me, be sure to follow you love and you learn on Instagram so that you can join in the conversation when I ask for community questions like this. But I asked you listeners on you love and you learn that follow me on Instagram for some questions, people who are on my email list. I asked, what do you want to know about getting engaged, the feelings around it before leading up to it, all of that. And there were a lot of questions around things like, how did you know you were ready to get engaged? Or what did the conversations leading up to engagement look like? Or how did you feel like it was time? And and some of those things I feel like are going to take a lot of background context on me and just the way I think about things. And so I wanted to start off by first acknowledging what led up to getting engaged, all of the before, all of the conversations, the things that had to happen for me to feel like it was time to get engaged. And then be sure to stick around for the part two that will be released next week, where I will share more about the actual story of getting engaged, what happened, how I was feeling in the moment, how I was feeling after and then some of the reflections that have been coming up for me over the last week or so since getting engaged. I'm really, really excited for this one and grateful for all of you who joined the conversation and were submitting questions. Thank you so much. So before we jump in too much further, I gave this disclaimer or rather just like this note on Instagram before I shared the behind the scenes of my engagement But I wanted to say it again here on the podcast because I want you to know that whatever your engagement looks like, it is so valid. So whether you've been engaged before and it was maybe not exactly like you expected or you're thinking about getting engaged and you still feel some anxiety, I just want you to know that whether you have been engaged or whether you're thinking about being engaged, to know that there is no one right way to do it. 
I also want to share that even if things feel crappy right now in your relationship, they can absolutely turn around. But also if they don't turn around, you're going to be okay no matter what happens. You are resilient. And relationship anxiety wants us to believe that if this relationship doesn't work out, that it's going to be the end of the world and our whole life will be ruined. But I think that rationally, we know that that's not necessarily true. And it's just a fear really trying to protect us and keep us safe. And it can also be a fear that stems from us really loving our partner a lot. So it's okay if you worry that this relationship ending would be really, really the end of the world sometimes, but just knowing that you are strong and resilient. I also want to remind you that I've had moments where I literally was crying to my friends, feeling lost and hopeless. And I was in the trenches of relationship anxiety for years before I felt like I was able to have this special engagement day. So yes, my engagement moment was much, much, much more calm, relaxed, celebratory than I could have ever possibly imagined. But that didn't just happen because I was telling myself it should be like that. That happened after doing so much behind the scenes to process my relationship anxiety, a lot of which I talk about here on the podcast, but I'm happy to, of course, keep expanding on that. There were a lot of tears, Google searches, mornings where I felt like I was just so anxious and starting the day off on this negative, anxious foot. And I feel like ultimately there were so many moments throughout the years of me and Nate being together where I felt like my heart was closed off. It was closed from giving love openly to Nate and it was closed from receiving love from Nate many, many, many times. But I've, I feel like one thing that I'm really proud of of myself if I've been really consistent with trying to do as much as I can when I notice my heart closing to open it back up again. And that's something that I've had to practice. Getting engaged for me happened after I've been navigating this. And so again, just please knowing there's no right way to get engaged. Many people don't get the chance to navigate relationship anxiety before getting engaged or married because it's so common that it can happen after getting engaged or married because there's so much pressure and it's a big transition. And so if you weren't able to do that and you're already engaged, just know that I see you and I understand that. And I've worked with many clients whose engagement triggered anxiety leading up to the wedding, which of course has a lot of pressure as well. So just know my engagement story and everything I'm sharing leading up to the engagement right now is my own. And while it's so natural to compare and feel like you need to be doing similar things as other people, it's not going to be helpful to compare your story to mine if it's making you feel badly about your story. So just take what works from this and leave the rest. And my intention is always to share a unique perspective that can be helpful, but I realize that sometimes that can also lead to comparison. And I've been there, I've done that a bajillion times. So I know that might happen, but if you notice that, I want you to pause the podcast And I want you to take a moment to like breathe or go for a quick walk or just take some space and really connect back to the present moment and make sure that you're feeling present moment safety, if you will, like just realizing that you're actually safe in the moment, even if your body is causing you to have sensations or even if your thoughts start racing, just taking a moment to reset and then come back to the podcast.
All right. And one other thing I want to share before we get into this is that you absolutely do not need to ever get married to have a beautiful love story. I think that for a long time, and as I'll share here in a minute, I wasn't even sure I wanted to get married and I just was like, well, what's the point? And you know, what if, if you get divorced, then what's the point of even getting married? Why do you have to be so committed? All of that. So I used to be a little bit jaded about it, even though I think that that was more so out of fear. So just knowing that whatever you decide to do in your life, in your love is okay and perfectly great, it doesn't mean that getting married is better or worse. Now, I want to rewind back to the very beginning of my relationship with Nate. And for those who don't know, we've been together about six and a half years. Later this year will be seven years. And at the very beginning of our relationship, it was pretty soon after my parents shared with me and my brother that they were separating and getting a divorce. So I meet Nate, who I kind of right away realize, like, I really like him and I hope this works out. This was before I started putting pressure on myself, of course. But in the back of my mind, it was still pretty fresh after my parents' divorce. And so, as I just alluded to, there was this fear of, well, I don't know if I ever actually want to get married or if you do get married, then it can lead to pain or hurt. And mind you, it's been now, I can't even think of the exact amount of years, like eight or nine years now since my parents actually did separate or get a divorce. And so I've had a lot of time to reframe that story and process the feelings around it. I'm sure there's still more, but I used to feel like it was this bad thing and that, oh, I would just never want that to happen to me and divorce is the worst possible outcome. But realistically, I now see that both of my parents are in a good place and I understand why it happened and I know that they tried their best and they did their best with what they had at the time. And honestly, I think at the end of the day, no one goes up to the altar hoping to get a divorce. And so I just have a lot of compassion and understanding for the experience of divorce now. And I've also changed my mind around if I get a divorce one day that it doesn't mean that me and Nate's relationship was a waste and that something was wrong. I think that's the unfortunate message that we have around divorce and relationships is that if there's a relationship that ends or that you get a divorce or however the relationship ends, that it was wrong or bad or you failed. But ultimately, if you're in a relationship right now and you're consistently and intentionally choosing to stay in the relationship and you're hoping it works and you want it to work, then why would in the future all of a sudden you feel like, oh, well, I should have known that this wasn't the right relationship for me, but yet you're still intentionally choosing to move forward. So I think at the end of the day, that was a tangent, but I used to just be so scared of divorce, even though I've always been a romantic at heart. I've loved rom-coms. I love love. And yet this big part of me was really scared and really closed off from not only the idea of marriage, but also the idea of having kids and having a family. So I think that at the beginning of me and Nate's relationship, when I did start feeling anxious, I only really could tie it back to my parents getting a divorce as the reason. That was kind of the extent 
of what I understood about my anxiety. I was just like, yeah, I think it's just because I'm scared of getting a divorce. But of course, the reason I'm here talking to you today is because since then I've learned a lot more about why my anxiety was happening and I've been able to now share that story with others. A quick sidebar as well about divorce or separation is that not everybody interprets a divorce in the family the same way. So for example, Nate's parents are separated, but he doesn't seem to have the same anxiety about divorce that I do. Of course, I'm sure he has an intention that he doesn't want to get a divorce, but he definitely doesn't have the same energy around it, the same fearful energy that I had in the beginning of a relationship. So when I talk about divorce being triggering, that was me and a lot of my clients' experience, but there's plenty of people that don't have the experience and that can be for all sorts of reasons. So that was kind of fast forward, or rewinding, excuse me, back to the very beginning. And if you fast forward a few years into me and Nate's relationship, for those who haven't heard my relationship anxiety story, that's in episode two of the podcast. So I highly recommend going back to listen to that, which gives you more details about my full relationship anxiety story. This is more my engagement story and leading up to specifically engagement. But there was a peak moment of anxiety right before I began You Love and You Learn, which was when I told Nate that I wasn't sure I loved him the same way anymore. And I was in tears. I was so devastated in that moment. And he was a very steady ship supporting me. And he was able to see my anxiety much more neutrally. He didn't assign meaning to it. He was very compassionate and was like, yeah, I understand why you're having doubts about the relationship. It makes sense to me. And I really hope that we can, you know, stay together and that you'll find a way to work through it. But I understand whatever you want to do. And in that moment, that's really what I feel like gave me this big epiphany of, well, wait, what am I doing here? I want to be with Nate. He's amazingly supportive. That moment in time where he was supporting me through anxiety in our own relationship really led me to be like, whoa. I see things so clearly right now. This is about me and not about him. So once I had that kind of clarity and started understanding more about this is my own thing, I want to look into it, that's when You Love and You Learn came about. I started a blog. I started this Instagram page um, and really started diving into love relationships, just trying to understand as much as I could about anxiety, all of that. And Once I did begin to understand relationship anxiety, I think my feelings about getting married or engaged slowly changed over time. This was through understanding more about what my beliefs were about love and relationships and trying to unpack some of those. I had to change some of my beliefs around love and relationships that were not helping me. I needed to also expand on some of these topics around getting married or engaged like till death do us part or being a hundred percent certain or being together forever or the notion of finding your one true soulmate that is the only person in the world for you i had to really unpack what those things meant to me and what i thought about them in order to feel more open to getting engaged because my outdated narrative was not helping me. It was making me feel anxious. It was making me feel so much pressure. 
And I really, really wanted to be with Nate. But then this picture perfect rom-com narrative of you have to be 100% sure and you have to know with 100% certainty that you want to be together forever and that you will be together forever without a doubt in your mind, that was really causing me to feel shame and guilt and like something was really wrong. So once I began to shift some of these beliefs and not doing so from a place of trying to what's the word I'm looking for here? I wasn't trying to convince myself to change these beliefs. It felt good when I changed these beliefs. It felt lighter. It felt helpful for me. And so I say all of this with, I guess, the caveat that you don't need to change your beliefs about love and relationships. But if you're starting to feel like your beliefs on love and relationships are causing you more harm than good and they're causing you to feel super triggered, super anxious, and like nothing's going exactly how you expect perfectly all the time, then there's an opportunity to decide if you want to change some of your beliefs. And so once I began doing this over time, then I felt much more open to talking about marriage or engagement in a more serious way or a more intentional way. Now, I'm going to share a little bit more around kind of what some of those talks looked like. And I got some great questions from the You Love and You Learn community around this. And I want to kind of acknowledge that initially there wasn't necessarily this formal conversation happening. It was a little bit more casual and it was a little bit depersonalized to our specific relationship. So I feel like slowly we would weave in things like, oh, if I got married, then I I would want this at my wedding or, you know, what would you want to do at a wedding if you had a wedding? Like a little bit more hypotheticals or things that were less specific to me and Nate. Um, Also over the years, there was one period of time where I think Nate and I went to like five or six weddings in two years together. And so once we became more serious and once my friends were starting to get engaged and married, I think that we would start noticing what we liked or didn't like about certain weddings that we went to. Um, But we really didn't necessarily start talking about our own engagement or our own wedding until we moved to Sweden, which was in the last few years. Um, Or at least that's what both Nate and I recall. We, of course, had intentions of like, oh, we really like this person. We really hope it works out. And the idea of engagement or weddings would come up just because I feel like it comes up when you hit a certain age. People start asking questions about it. But only recently in the last maybe two to three years did we start sitting down and having more open discussions about it. We both kind of agreed. Nate and I have been on pretty similar pages throughout most of our relationship about this topic. And we both didn't want to just check a box by getting married. Like we weren't doing this by we need to get married by 30 so that we can start having kids by 31. Like that's never really been how we operate. We both have been patient and open to whatever timeline unfolded for us. And again, that doesn't mean that If you have a belief around getting married by a certain age or whatever that it's bad or wrong but i think a lot of times we've been been excuse me conditioned societally to rush into checking these things off a list in order to feel like we're accomplishing certain milestones but nate and i have both kind of just been like let's just take it one step at a time for some additional background context some of you already know this probably if you've been following me for a bit 
When we moved to Sweden back in January of 2021 for Nate's job, that was a big transition. So that was us leaving the United States, moving in together for the first time by ourselves. We had lived together before, but we were staying with some of his family during COVID. So this was the first time that we really lived by ourselves, and it was in a new country. We were both transitioning into different roles. Like he had a new job within his company. I started You Love and You Learn more officially as a business. And so for a bit, that kind of took engagement and marriage talk off the table while we kind of focused on living in this new country, meeting new people, focusing on careers. But as we grew closer and as we went through our own ups and downs while being away from home and and living in a new country, but also really relying on each other, I think that we got closer to the point where it was just kind of like we're already so committed to each other and we know that we work well as a team and we really trust in this relationship. And so that surfaced more thoughts of getting married and committing to one another in this way. And I think that eventually we would start more directly saying things like, I want to get married to you one day. Or sometimes we would joke like, should we get married? Like type things. And we have our own unique little like playful voice that we say things to in each other. And like, should we get married one day? Like joking back and forth. Um, So I think eventually through both more casual and more serious means, we started talking about marriage more seriously. Now, I still don't recall, and Nate doesn't either, we don't recall having this formal sit down where we were like, all right, for the next 60 minutes, we're going to talk about getting married. You know, It wasn't necessarily this big formal thing. There were more so micro moments of checking in with one another of how we were thinking or feeling about it. There were micro moments of seeing what others were doing and touching base with one another and just kind of making sure we were still on the same page. We would kind of talk about certain timelines based on how long we were planning to live in Sweden of like when it would make sense to get engaged and then plan a wedding, things like that. Um, And of course, throughout me and Nate's relationship of six and a half years now, there's been micro moments where I have been sharing my own anxiety and fears around things like divorce or things like being together forever. Um, And so he's known what I've been going through. And I don't always share the exact ins and outs of every single thought I'm having, but he's been able to understand my relationship anxiety. And it's because, you know, rewind two, three and a half years ago where I was like, I don't know if I love you the same anymore. I kind of blurted it out and there was no going back from there, right? So my example of talking about relationship anxiety with your partner is not necessarily the gold standard of what I think is the most helpful, but it was what happened for me and Nate. So I'm just trying to give you as much context as possible around kind of what's led up to Nate and I feeling ready and feeling open and connected with one another. I checked in with Nate yesterday as I was writing down some bullets for this episode of like, hey, babe, what do you remember as our marriage talks? Like, what is your perspective of how we talked throughout the last few years around being ready to get married? And what he shared was that, similar to me, like, we didn't know whether we wanted to get married or have a traditional wedding right from the get-go. It was something that we kind of grew into over time. 
Um, and the older we got and the more we had been together and the more connected we were, the more we wanted to celebrate our love together. And similar to what I shared, he was on the timeline that I had referred to about we were more seriously talking about this over the last two to three years since being together in Sweden. So that was, I guess, more so four years, four and a half even maybe into our relationship. And I think that everyone's different. There's people that are engaged for less than a year and then get married. There's people that are engaged for more than Nate and I, or they're, sorry, they're dating for less than a year before they get engaged. There's people who are dating for seven, eight, nine years before they get engaged and there's no one right answer. And so later I'll talk a little bit more about like how to know when it's comfortable for you. A question that I got from my You Love and You Learn community was, was I scared to talk about marriage while having ROCD and relationship anxiety? And the answer is at times, yes, but at times not. And I think that depends on how much I understood about my relationship anxiety at the time. And before I understood what relationship anxiety was, yes, I was scared to talk about these things. I was scared to bring things up to Nate. I wasn't. I didn't want him to feel like I was doubting the relationship. I didn't really know how to articulate my feelings about what I was even thinking or worried about in a way that felt understandable for him. And there was another follow-up questions around how to have engagement talks when you don't feel 100% certain. So here's the thing, 100% certain. I don't like that phrase and I don't I don't like stand by that phrase anymore. Um, I don't think that you need 100% certainty. And I think 100% certainty is a myth. Like who really has 100% certainty beyond the present moment of what's going to happen, right? So instead of certainty, I like the word confidence, but I don't think that 100% confidence is what we should be aiming for in order to move forward with something. I think that's a perfectionist belief system. I think that's a romanticized belief system. I think that is all or nothing thinking. It either has to be 100% or it's nothing. And so when you're scared and you still want to bring up a conversation about marriage or engagement, or at least just share how you're feeling about the subject with your partner, I think what's really important is for you to lean into the vulnerability And you could quite literally say something like, this topic scares me, but I really want to talk about it. Or like, I'm scared of marriage, but I don't want to be so scared about it that we can't have these discussions. Like, what do you think about it? And I know some people may be with a partner who isn't scared about this and who isn't feeling the same way. And that doesn't make you any less worthy of having the conversation. Instead of being 100% certain, I'd love for you to lower that bar and just be 51% confident enough that you want to have the conversation. So just a little bit more than 50%. Just give yourself permission that if it's something you slightly even are open to talking about, it's okay to have the conversation and you don't have to make any major commitments right now. You can say, I don't feel ready to make the commitment of engagement right now, but I'd love to talk about it more with you. I'd love to understand where your head's at. And I know these things feel not as sexy as maybe what we've been sold as like 
everyone needs to just be 100% sure and you have to know and you have to be snuggled up in each other's arms, looking in each other's eyes and saying, I just can't wait to be with you forever. Like, I get it and that's a beautiful opportunity if you get it. But there's so many other ways to get to a place of feeling ready for engagement or getting ready to talk about it, even if you're not 100% sure. Another question I got from the You Love and You Learn community was, what did I communicate to Nate when we were ready or general indicators that I was ready? So I wasn't necessarily looking for a specific indicator. I think that in a past life before I understood relationship anxiety, I might have been looking for a certain feeling. Like I just feel like I'm ready to get engaged now. I just feel ready. And I don't know. I mean, for some people, that feeling may just easily pop up. I think if you already understand that you have relationship anxiety or ROCD, that feelings can come and go. And you've probably seen this, that sometimes your feelings are ready and sometimes your feelings maybe aren't so ready. And so for me, instead of looking for this feeling of knowing, of certainty, I just trusted in all of the work that I had done to understand my relationship anxiety and trusted that I can handle future moments of anxiety and I trusted all of the micro decisions that I had made to get to where I was today with Nate. I wrote a blog post once called the quote, quote, biggest decision of your life. And in it, I talk about how basically getting engaged or married is always viewed as this biggest decision of our life. And While I think that it is a huge decision and I'm not trying to undermine that, I also believe that all of the micro decisions that we've made leading up to getting engaged or married hopefully can be the foundation of which we're able to then make that next big decision of getting engaged or married, right? So it's not like you meet someone and then suddenly you make the decision to get engaged. You have many micro moments of moving forward in the relationship and minor commitments that you're making to then lead up to that major commitment. And so for me, there wasn't, again, this like light switch of like, oh, now I'm ready. It was more just I've been slowly, intentionally choosing this relationship and working to love Nate better and love myself better and grow in the relationship now. And I just know that there's never going to be a perfect moment, but I had made peace already with my anxiety. I had like done the work to explore our compatibility. I had tried to understand what my core fears were in the relationship and how to soothe those fears when they showed up. I practiced being really compassionate with myself and with Nate. There were so many things that I did along the way. And I talk about a lot of these things in my course, Deconstruct the Doubts. It was really one of the, like all of this information in Deconstruct the Doubts is what has over time been the foundation that helps me understand how to move forward in my relationship with Nate and be more committed to him. So that is a great starting place, deconstructed outs, to navigating relationship anxiety and understanding what's going on in those moments. So I will definitely, I think it's already linked in the show notes actually, each episode, if you want to check that out. But ultimately, I had over time just trusted my decisions and I trusted that if there was a reason that I didn't want to be here and that it was a serious enough reason that I 
actually didn't want to move forward that I already would have known that by now and that my anxiety is not something that should be a reason for me not to move forward because anxiety is really just pointing to my own inner fears. It's not anything to do with Nate. So I think that's my answer to when I knew I was ready in general indicators, but I think I want to give a a note here to also acknowledge that two things can be true at the same time. Just because there wasn't this major moment of knowing I was ready and it was micro decisions along the way doesn't mean that your experience will be the same. So I don't want to encourage anybody to like massively overextend themselves out of their comfort zone here. I think this is all about small steps safely over time that lead to you understanding yourself better, understanding your partner better, growing in the relationship, and working through relationship anxiety bit by bit. Because I have heard stories like people have DM'd me before saying, I didn't feel like I was ready to get engaged, but I didn't want to lose my partner, so I said yes. And to be fair, now they have done some work to unravel relationship anxiety behind the scenes. But I think that stories like that can be hard because in the moment, if you don't feel like you're ready and then you're moving forward, there can be this part of you that still has a lot of doubt or feels like you're not doing the right thing. And so there's this delicate balance of trusting yourself that you'll make these consistent small steps over time in the relationship But I also think that realistically, you know yourself best and you know what is truly outside of your comfort zone versus what is just fear in the backseat trying to protect you and keep you safe. So the next questions that came from my community were around how did I know that I was, quote, cured enough to be ready for engagement? Or how did I know I was ready and what does it mean to be ready? I think this topic is hard because like I just mentioned, I think that we're waiting sometimes for this feeling of readiness and not just feeling ready, but 100% ready before we do something meaningful. And I understand why we do that. It's a protective mechanism. We want to feel safe. But I also think this can really hold us back because realistically, like when I pressed publish on my blog for the first time. I was not ready, but I still pressed publish. When I started this Instagram account, when I went live on Instagram for the first time, when I had this first podcast episode go live, you know, you're never really fully ready. And there's always this element of, well, what if this doesn't work? What how I'm expecting it to? So especially if you're someone that tends to you know, overthink things or have a hard time making decisions or have a hard time moving forward with things, or even if just in love and in relationships, that's been a pattern for you, then I think that this waiting to be cured or waiting to be ready, I just want you to check in with yourself and see if that feels like the goalpost is always moving farther and farther away before you feel like you'll let yourself move forward. Over the years, I've seen time and time again that I can move through moments of anxiety and be resilient, even when these moments of anxiety are hard. So I think that that's important to acknowledge because when you work on becoming 
resilient to anxiety and being compassionate with it and understanding how to navigate when moments of anxiety shows up, then you're not so scared of, well, what if future moments of anxiety pop up? And instead of waiting for this perfect moment of being ready, you'll know that you can handle what comes up in the future. I wasn't looking to be cured from anxiety. I was looking to trust myself to navigate future moments of anxiety. And I think that's a really big difference because if you're trying to be fully ready or fully cured, then any sign of potentially not being that way will cause you to hold back and say, well, this can't work. Whereas I knew that relationship anxiety, albeit very small now in my life, but relationship anxiety still pops up sometimes in my life. And so instead of just wanting to be cured or never have it anymore, I know that it's in the passenger seat and maybe now it's even far back in the trunk, tucked far back away. And I'm in the driver's seat of my life, of, you know, my relationship. And yes, there's going to still be moments where relationship anxiety pops up, But that doesn't mean that I can't move forward and live my life and do the things that I value. At a certain point, we have to make a decision, right? At a certain point, we do have to decide. And that decision doesn't have to be to move forward towards marriage or engagement, of course. But if we are in a safe, healthy, compatible enough relationship and we're just waiting for this feeling of rightness, I wonder if we have it backwards and instead by actually deciding that we're ready to move forward, then we will eventually have it be feeling more right. You know, I was waiting for a long time to just feel 100% in love, 100% ready. But once I made the decision to move forward with Nate, I was able to actually feel much better and much more open to love and to our relationship growing because I was channeling this energy of, well, I'm in it with Nate and this is who I want to grow with. This is who I want to learn about love with. This is who I want to do all of these things with instead of constantly entertaining these thoughts that it can't work or that someone else would be better or that maybe he's not the right partner for me. Now, of course, this happened, like I said, with micro decisions over the years. So it wasn't just one big decision, but I do feel like there was a shift at some point and I can't quite pinpoint exactly when it was, but I remember distinctly just starting to acknowledge that Nate is who I want to go through these ups and downs within life because I eventually came to a place where I was like, well, no relationship is perfect. And I almost like laughed at my former version of myself that wanted it to be in a kind way, of course, and was just like, wow, (laughs) rom-coms really did a number on me. And I realized that if there's going to be ups and downs with anybody, or if there's going to be moments of misunderstanding, boredom, confusion, you know, if there's going to be these little micro moments of hurt and challenge with any relationship then I want Nate to be the person that I do these micro moments of pain and challenge and discomfort with. And I don't know if everybody can say the same at this exact moment for their partner. And that doesn't mean that you won't ever get there. But after years and years of seeing that we could get back to a place of love and support and connection, even when things felt disconnected or painful, I realized, okay, this is probably going to keep happening for the rest of our lives where we'll have these ups and downs. 
and yet we can still get back to a place of love and support and connection. So I didn't want the fantasy anymore. I wanted the reality that I had with me and Nate. Now, there's still moments where relationship anxiety can tell me, well, maybe it would be more perfect with someone else. And then I have to come back to my new beliefs on love and relationships, that that is me just trying to escape challenge and discomfort and that I'm capable of working through whatever's in front of me with Nate in this moment. So all of this assumes when I'm talking about how do you know you're ready that you want to move forward, right? And I think that it's important to at least ask that question, like, do I want to move forward? Um, And maybe, again, the answer isn't fully clear right now, but I knew that even on my most anxious days, the reason I never broke up with Nate is because I really wanted the relationship to work. And so I think that as a baseline, that that's just worth reflecting on. Like, do I want this relationship to work? If I could wave a magic wand and this relationship would work, would I still want to be here? And there's another question that you can ask yourself as well. That's the opposite question, which is, if this relationship wasn't going to work, would I still be here? Because after a long, long time of not answering yes to that question, eventually my answer did become yes. And let me explain what I mean by this. Even if in 10 years from now, things with me and Nate don't work out, I'm still going to be really proud of the relationship that we had. But for a long time, I only wanted to be in this relationship if it had a guaranteed successful outcome. And I think that a lot of us are living our life that way. Like, I only want to switch jobs if I know it's going to work out for me there. I only want to be in this relationship if I know it's going to work out for me at the end. I only want to move to this new city if I know I'm going to be happier in the new city. But ultimately, we don't get those guarantees. We can do as much possible legwork as we can before those moments to make sure. And we can build up tools and practices internally and in community and in our relationships to make sure that things are working and that we're navigating them as best as possible. But I don't have a magic wand or I don't have a whatever. uh, What is that thing I'm trying to think of? Uh, (laughs) One of those things that you a genie looks into and like predicts the future, whatever it is. I don't have a magic ball or a glass ball, whatever, to look into the future and see what's going to happen with me and Nate in 10 years. But I decided that no matter what happens, I'm still moving forward right now. And I feel good about that decision because I feel really good about where me and Nate are at. And I think that has been a big part of what helped me be ready to get engaged and what's led me to not feel so anxious in my relationship is because I'm not hinging the success of our relationship, quote, quote, on if it works out or not anymore. I'm trying to enjoy the process and I'm trying to learn from the process and grow from the process and not need to see a guaranteed result. So that's kind of a little sidebar, but I think it's a really, really important one. And it's something that I try to work on with my private coaching clients and I check in with them and I'm like, if the answer to that question is no, that's okay. But what's stopping you from that question turning into a yes? Is it something specifically in this relationship or is this a belief that you have that all relationships have to work out 
to be successful and so that you're not a failure and so that you're not having future pain. So it's just worth thinking about. There was a beautiful photo that I saw the other day, and I'm, I'm wrapping up uh, this first part here in just a few minutes, but a couple last thoughts on feeling ready to get engaged that I want to make sure I share. There was this beautiful graphic on the Instagram page, the new happy co, the new happy co. And it said, it's not outside of your comfort zone. It's the next step on your journey. And there was this beautiful visual of like two different points on a map, so to speak. And one of them was in a circle and making it feel like to take the next step outside of the circle, it was outside of your comfort zone. But in the second part of the graphic, the circle was removed and the line just easily connected to the next dot. And the sentiment of it's not outside of your comfort zone, it's the next step on your journey, I think felt so beautiful to me and I saw it right after getting engaged and that's exactly how I felt after doing all this legwork to understand relationship anxiety is that getting engaged is no longer outside of my comfort zone. It's simply the next step on my journey with Nate. And so back to what I said earlier of taking small baby steps that are you know, safe to you and not hugely out of your comfort zone. I think only you realistically know if something is going to be a healthy next step on your journey for you versus pushing you deeply, deeply outside of your comfort zone. I can't tell you whether or not you are fully ready and I can ask you certain questions and I can prompt you and all of that, but only you will be able to actually know the difference between is this still feeling like it's really outside of my comfort zone or is this simply the next step on my journey? And yes, that next step may bring up discomfort and it may not be 100% perfect and nothing really is, but it's still the next step on my journey. And it's slightly outside of my comfort zone, but it's not super outside where it feels like it's going to throw me completely off track. And, you know, sometimes we learn by taking action. So I'm not saying that you have to get engaged as a next action, but I think that we learn and grow in our relationships by taking actions. It could be something that nourishes your relationship, something that nourishes yourself. A next step could be getting support with relationship anxiety, whatever it is. But these little next steps on our journey that happen bit by bit eventually get us to a place where we're feeling more confident to do something. Even if you're not 100% confident, just knowing that it's okay to take small next steps over time and getting engaged, yes, isn't necessarily a small next step. But if you've backed up the decision to get engaged with many, many, many other small decisions to be in your relationship, then getting engaged doesn't have to be this huge big thing that everyone makes it out to be. Of course it can and it's a beautiful moment and it's exciting, but I think that we get to create meaning out of whatever event or something that's happening in our life. So if getting engaged feels big and scary to you, then maybe you need to relieve yourself of the pressure that you have on this moment. If it feels really exciting to you, then you can have it be this big moment in your life. But I think realistically, getting engaged is not going to be the exact same copy-paste from every single rom-com we've seen. 
And I think that's what we're expecting. We're all expecting to have the exact same moment and feel the exact same way. And we're all unique, different people. So I'm just giving you permission to let engagement mean whatever you need it to mean. Couple last things here to address. There was a great question from someone in my community of, do you have to have this deep set feeling that your partner is the one to say yes? I'm years away from getting engaged, but I've been with my partner for three years and most of the time I feel content envisioning a future with him. But when the anxiety and doubts hit, I wonder if it's inauthentic to still want a future if I'm not 100% certain about it now. So I think if you've heard just me speak at all, (laughs) and especially some of what I've said already in this podcast, the 100% certainty piece is I think what's hanging this person up here. And having a deep set feeling that your partner is the one, I think, again, it's just the way that we create meaning out of something because after a lot of unpacking what I believe the one means, I do, it's going to sound very backwards when I say this, even though sometimes I don't believe in the one, but I do feel like Nate is the one for me because of me intentionally choosing him because of all the work we've done together in our relationship and yes because of certain factors of our personality and and the way that our relationship has unfolded but 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 i think that the one is sometimes not all the time but sometimes can be a harmful narrative to buy into because it assumes that once you find the one then you just ride off happily ever after into the sunset and everything's peachy keen and totally fine. And so if the one feels like a triggering sentiment to you, then I want you to redefine it before moving forward with this question of like, do I have to feel like my partner is the one to say yes? And I think what's interesting is that this person said, most of the time I feel content envisioning a future But then sometimes when the anxiety and doubts hit, I question that. And I think that so often we put our anxiety and our doubts on a pedestal and we put our moments of clarity and content and calm, we put them down lower on the totem pole for some reason. That's because our body and mind are focused on making sure we're safe. And so if we feel like there's something that's threatening that safety, then, excuse me, then that is put on our radar as important. So in the moments of anxiety and doubt, it's going to feel more triggering and more of a signal like, ah, pay attention to this. But realistically, the moments of clarity and the moments of calm and content can be just as important, if not more important, to the overall relationship. And so instead of focusing on the anxiety and the doubts and the thoughts coming up then, if instead you can do what it takes to be compassionate and accepting of those moments of anxiety, but also wait until you're feeling more content or calm to make decisions about things in the relationship, I think that will have a big impact. Because I remember when I was really leaning into my anxiety and doubt, It just created more anxiety and doubt. But when I really leaned into the moments where I felt calm, connected, and grateful to be in my relationship with Nate, I could see a whole different future unfolding in front of us. 
So I hope that makes sense. I think that this is a question that I could share so much more detail around, but I wanted to address it. The last thing I want to talk about in this pre-engagement discussion is Nate and I decided to go look at rings together as a couple. And I want to talk about that experience a little bit because I think it's not something that I hear talked about that often outside of my friend group. And maybe it's just because I don't talk about specific stuff like this with that many people outside of my friend group. But I think that there's this you know, romantic notion of I want to just be completely surprised by the ring and my partner should know exactly what ring I want. Just if they know me, they should know what ring I want and they should be able to pick it perfectly, all these things. And I do, again, I see the romantic side of this and I'm like, I think that's beautiful. And if that's someone's experience, then I love it for you. I don't want to poo-poo that at all. Um, There is no right way to look at rings necessarily. But a couple of my friends had gone ring shopping with their partners or ring shopping on their own and then telling their partner the exact style of ring they liked. And I thought there was a lot of great reasons to consider it for myself. I really wanted to see what types of rings looked good on my finger. I had an idea of what I wanted, but I hadn't necessarily seen it on my finger before. And this is a ring that I will, in theory, be wearing for a very long time. And it's while, yes, it is in some ways Nate's idea to propose to me or like his gesture of proposing to me, this is my ring that I'm going to wear. And so I think it's important that I had a say in it, at least for me personally. Um, And if I'm looking down at my finger every single day, I want to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with this ring, right? So I think that it's completely normal and fine if you want to have a say in what your ring looks like. I think it should be normalized to do whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, And this past December, so now six-ish months ago, Nate and I had already talked about at this point getting engaged, like I shared more about. Um, We knew that we were going to get engaged and we decided while we were home for the holidays, we wanted to check out a couple different ring shops. And I thought that, you know, the experience was great but I also think that it's just funny because looking at rings was fun but also not exactly the moment I had maybe fantasized about. I think that it's so common to romanticize certain moments as needing to be perfect or else they are somehow terrible and it's just like we can get into all or nothing thinking and you know I had envisioned like this whole (laughs) it's just funny like you envision being so dressed up having champagne and like just being giddy and giggly and all these things and Nate and I were on the way to drive somewhere later that day and for both times like I was the one driving that day so I didn't want to drink any champagne we had stuff to do after um, going to both ring shops Um, so it, it was just like one thing to do on the list that day. It wasn't the only thing we were doing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was like great. It it was an easy experience. Like after we left, we were both like, that's exciting, but it wasn't necessarily like I was daydreaming about that moment after ring shopping for the next six months. Um, you know what I mean? So I just think that, um, that type of, insight is helpful for some people to hear because I think that there can be this notion that the whole experience leading up to the engagement has to be like this dreamy, perfect, romantic thing. And for us, the ring shopping was, yes, fun, but also a little bit practical too. 
And before we ended up coming back to Sweden at the beginning of the year after the holidays, Nate did decide to talk to both of my parents and just give them the heads up and, you know, just kind of mention that he was planning to propose. And I thought that was sweet. But again, it doesn't have to happen. It's I guess some people could say it's a little old school. Some people say it's traditional and important to talk to the parents first, whatever. Um, but yeah, be sure to check out part two next week because I am going to share then the story of what happened on the day we got engaged. I'm going to talk about if I suspected anything leading up to the engagement, how I felt in the moment he proposed. I'm going to talk about how I felt immediately after he proposed, how I felt in the last week or so since it happened, and then some of my post-engagement reflections, just like what I've noticed, how I'm thinking about it, and more. So be sure to check that out. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear what your takeaways were. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram if you're enjoying the podcast and want to take a screenshot and post it on your page and tag me. That would be so appreciated. Or if you want to send this episode to a friend, maybe someone who's already gotten engaged and you knew had some fears coming up around it or someone who is planning on getting engaged that you know could use this episode as a guide beforehand. Thanks again and talk to you more in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the You Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.